0: Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos, Potomac River Arrest, and Gerald Haas. Tales of Hauntings, Murder, and Scary Mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. For this week, we focus on the arrest of the notorious Potomac River Rapist and the mysterious disappearance and death of virtuoso coder Gerald Haas. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos. Number one, Potomac River Arrest. Christine Merzayan was a 29-year-old student intern at the National Academy of Sciences in Georgetown, Washington, DC. On August 1st, 1998, she attended a cookout and was walking home from the event when she was then viciously attacked. Christine was pulled into a wooded area, viciously raped, then beaten to death using a 73-pound rock. Although a man had heard Christine scream and called back to ask if she was okay, he never heard back, so he just continued on. The following day, her body was found. Another person later came forward offering a description of the man they saw running from the woods after hearing the scream. This description was enough to create a composite sketch of the suspect. During the investigation, it was clear Christine wasn't the first victim. Before her, nine other women in the Maryland and D.C. area had also been viciously attacked and raped. This included an 18-year-old babysitter, as well as a mother whose infant child was with her during the assault. Many of the victims were attacked inside their homes, and seven of the nine were all linked using DNA. However, only Christine Merzayan was murdered. At the time, police believed the suspect lived or spent a chunk of his time in or near the areas of the attack, He was described as an African-American male with medium build and was believed to be in his 40s or 50s. In 2011, the FBI, MPD, and Maryland's Montgomery County Police Department tried renewing attention to the case by asking for more information and offering a $25,000 reward, but still there seemed to be no leads. For over two decades, the case of Christine and the others went cold. Even though the FBI was holding the suspect's DNA, there were no hits in the database. By this time, the serial rapist was dubbed as the Potomac River Rapist. In November of 2019, police and the FBI finally announced they had made an arrest and that they had captured the alleged perpetrator. Using forensic genealogy, authorities used the DNA they had and scoured genealogy databases to help find a possible suspect. It was there they discovered 60-year-old Gile Warwick from Conway, South Carolina. He had recently moved to the state. After police submitted the suspect's DNA, they found possible links to people living in the Washington area. Those people were interviewed, and Warwick was identified as a possible suspect. During the time of the attacks, Warwick had his own landscaping company, where he got contractual work and traveled to areas around Maryland and Washington, D.C., Warwick also bears a striking resemblance to the composite sketch, made in 1998, as well as the age progress sketch, released by the FBI in 2011. Forensic genealogy has been used by police and detectives to help crack decades-old cases before. This includes an arrest leading to the infamous Golden State Killer in 2018. According to neighbors and friends, they never thought Warwick was capable of committing such crimes. He is currently held in South Carolina and is awaiting extradition to Washington DC for charges of murder and multiple counts of sexual assault. Number 2 Gerald Haas Gerald Haas was described as being on the brink of riches as his company, Tesser, gained buzz for using blockchain technology to help streamline data sharing for higher education. But instead of riches, Gerald's skeletal remains were found on November 3, 2018, inside a forest just north of Clarksville, Ohio. The virtuoso coder was first reported missing on September 17, seven weeks before his body turned up. Haas lived in Columbus, Ohio, but was last seen at a gas station just one county over from where his remains were discovered. Police identified the body using the wallet found in his pants, They also later compared his dental records. There were no signs of foul play, no weapons or anything that might lead investigators to believe he was murdered. However, they did note Haas' backpack was nowhere in sight. It was a black backpack containing many of the things he used for business, including two laptops, three smartphones, a tablet, and various USB sticks and cables. During the time of his disappearance, Haas was with a friend on a supposed road trip. He never informed anyone or his family where he was going. The two stopped at a gas station, and as his friend went inside the store, Haas remained in the car. But when his friend came back out, him and his backpack were nowhere in sight. Around late spring and early summer of 2018, Tesser, Haas's company, was aiming to raise $30 million from investors. Haas believed that if it panned out, he could make a fortune once his startup platform code was finished. Days after Haas's body was found, police met his Tesser co-founder, Emanuel Sylvia. They were then shocked when he asked the police if they offered police protection. Emanuel conceived the creation of a new type of blockchain, a digital public ledger shared between trusted computers within a network. But while he brainstormed the idea, he didn't have the advanced coding skills to make it happen. Sylvia met web developer Etienne Fieri, who then suggested a friend of a friend coder Gerald Haas. The two hit it off and Haas soon became co-founder of Tesser. Sylvia says Gerald was one of the best. He definitely had this extreme talent. The two would work on Tesser after hours while Gerald accepted freelance gigs on the side. At the time, Haas and Fieri began dating days after they joined Tesser. They were living together just weeks after. It wasn't long before Tesser generated buzz in the local Columbus startup scene. Small investors helped them enough for the company to have their own office in the city, but while Tesser seemed to be on the up-and-up, Haas' personal life was becoming complicated. He once confided to Sylvia he and Fieri were having problems. He also told another friend other people were intent on causing him harm, but didn't mention who these people were or why. The last time Sylvia saw Haas was during a meeting. The two were walking on a quiet sidewalk and Haas laid down on the concrete saying Fieri's group was out to get him. He also mentioned he needed to delete sensitive information on his phone. Sylvia knew something was wrong but wasn't sure what exactly. And soon after this, Haas took off and he never saw him again. Fieri, Haas's girlfriend, says the last time she saw him was on August 30th. The two met to grab an early dinner at the mall, but when they headed to a nearby restaurant and rounded a corner, Haas darted ahead. When Fieri turned the same corner, he was gone. She said she wasn't too concerned because Haas would often isolate himself whenever he felt overwhelmed or anxious. When days passed and he hadn't returned, she assumed he visited his mother. But by mid-September, she received an email from Haas's mother asking for her son, She knew something was wrong and reported him missing to police. The last person to see Haas alive was Charles Ford, a mutual friend of Haas and Fieri. Ford was a mechanic who introduced the two together. According to him, since Haas didn't have a car or a license, he asked Ford for a ride to the Tesser board meeting on August 30th. Once he arrived, he said Haas came out from the bushes as if he had been hiding and told him there were people trying to steal his money and wanted him to overdose to get it afterward haas stayed at ford's condo he didn't sleep but worked on his laptop instead one of the last emails he sent was to the company he was freelancing for he asked them to send the payments via paper check and not deposit it to the joint account he had with fieri the following day he asked ford to drive him to cincinnati They decided to refuel at a BP station and Ford said he went inside the store to buy snacks and water. The credit card system was on the fritz, causing him to stay there for 30 to 45 minutes, and when he came out, Haas was gone. Although Ford became the primary person of interest in the case for a while, his phone record showed he was telling the truth. That after Haas disappeared, he spent some time looking for him and ended up going to Burger King. But never went as far as where Haas's body was later found. Days after, police investigated a small area called Shepherd's Way where residents reported seeing a strange man in the soybean field. Several witnesses came forward and police decided to search the area they pointed to. Sure enough, they found crude instruments and a makeshift shelter. The area was close to a ravine with a small creek at the bottom. As they walked down to the gorge and into the water, They found Haas's backpack. His electronics were ruined, and he had all sorts of unusual items. Soon, police theorized Haas left his friend, Charles, at the BP station willingly. Haas had a history of leaving abruptly, at one time choosing to be homeless. It's possible with the promise of greatness on the horizon, Haas engaged in a form of self-sabotage, further agitated by possible mental health issues. So he simply decided to leave it all behind. It's likely he survived in the woods for several weeks, cooking on open flames and scouring what little food he could find. The fractured femur found on his skeletal remains is theorized to have been the result of an accident. Either he got too close to the ravine or lost his footing, where he then got separated from his backpack. It's possible he was hurt when he crawled or hauled himself half a mile through a maze of soybean plants, before reaching the forest where he laid against the base of a honeysuckle tree, the place where his skeletal remains were eventually found. So there were two of the most frightening and strange stories around. The world can be a crazy place and Twisted 2's is sure to show you why. We have new videos coming out every Wednesday and Saturday, so if you enjoyed this one then please subscribe to our channel. Thanks for watching and we'll see you soon.